Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Conversations on the Coast, the Bay Area's premier author interview program. And uh, I feel honored today because with us is a Pulitzer Prize winning author. Her name is Elizabeth Strout, and she has written a new novel. It is called The Burgess Boys, published by Random House. And last week's New York Times book review told me it is on its bestseller list, entering at number three. Is that not true? That's true. Wow. Thank Congratulations. Well, thank you. What what a nice start. It was a very nice start, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very, very nice. The uh, uh, book that we're talking about today uh, is called The Burgess Boys for a very good reason, because it's centered on these two gentlemen, both Burgess boys. They're one of them has a twin sister. She's also involved in the story. And it, it's very much a, a story that works uh, around the kind of family that, that they are and where they come from. And where do they come from? Well, originally they come from Shirley Falls, Maine. Yes, yes. Yeah. And they can't get away from that. Well, they, they try. They'd like to try. They have tried. Well, it is a book that, that I think delves deeply into people and place, the, 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 yeah. the, the place in, in Maine and, and, some, uh, and, and, and some other places. But let's, let, let's talk about this uh, place in Maine, uh, Sterling, Sterling Falls? Shirley Falls. Shirley Falls. It's, uh, it's a somewhat typical New England town, I think, as you describe it, except for the presence of an increasing number of Somalis. That's right. I found that very fascinating. Well, a lot of people in Maine have found it very fascinating, yeah. too. It's, it's one of the things that I, I believe nationally we take a certain pride in the fact, for example, that you can find authentic Vietnamese food in Terre Haute, Indiana, for example, right. and, and so on. But what you focus on here a bit, at least— are the difficulties of that situation? Well, it's a it's a relatively new situation. I mean, you know, a decade old maybe at this point. But Maine um, is, I believe, or has been, and I still I think it still is, the whitest of all fifty states, and also the oldest of all fifty states. So, it was some adjustment. You know, there was some adjustment necessary as as a darker skin population began to move into some of these smaller cities. And um, they originally arrived in Portland, Maine, um, to be to enter our country after mm-hmm. after their civil war there. But um, Portland, Maine, is very you know precious. A lot of people like it, so the rents are are a little high. And so then the Somali population found out that thirty or forty miles west is a town, and um, they could live there more cheaply. And and by their standards, it was much more safe. So, in in fact, they have. Um, Come to come to the state of Maine, and it's it's been quite an adjustment for many people who live there. And they came into our country by invitation. Oh, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. I mean, because 
it's not to say they were 100% welcome. No, they, exactly. They, That's right. But they have every right and reason to be here. And the Somalis themselves are what you might think they would be, very uncomfortable in, in many ways. They, they, sure. they don't speak the language. That's right. They're, they have a different cuisine. Their religion is different. And they've been traumatized. I mean, what they've gone through has been just hellacious before they even got here. Um, and the ones who who have arrived here have most likely lived in one of the, the camps in Kenya mm. for, for many, many years before even making it here. So, they're, so the older um, members of that community have been really traumatized. And, and then they are making this enormous adjustment into a community that has no idea what to make of them, really. Oh dear! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, it's it's well, it's it's handled very well. I mean, you. Oh, thank you. One of the things that that you do is that you uh, put us <clears throat> in a way in their shoes uh, by creating a character whose name I will joyfully mispronounce. Uh, Abdikorum. Abdikarim, I think. Abdikarim. I was close. You were very I close. Put down a close for me. This character, Abdul Kareem, mm-hmm. uh, is is wonderful for this purpose because you 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 have him not so much talking but musing. Yes. About yes what he's feeling, how yes. what's going yeah. on is is affecting him, and and, right. and so on. Right. Right. It's a big choice for me whether or not to take on the point of view of um, a Somali character because most of the book, of course, is is the point of view of of the Burgesses, the various you know Burgess people and and their family members. Um, but I did think that for those uh, smaller areas that involve the Somalis, I thought I thought I'd better take that imaginative leap. I, so I did I a lot it, of reading, and no, you know, well, I think it works. It works beautifully. Thank you. It, it it really does. Now, as you say, the main focus is is on uh, the uh, Burgess family and the brothers, uh, one of whom I would describe as at least a, if not the main character in the book, who is also one of the most unlikable fellows in recent fiction, and his <laughs> name is Jim, which is also my name. So I'm somewhat never mind. At any rate, I don't know whether you can give a, a, a short description of, of him. So I think maybe we will, you know, hang, uh, hold on okay. that. <laughs> hang, no, we'll hold on that until we come back. Okay. You're listening to Conversations on the Coast with Jim Foster. Follow us on Twitter at Jim Foster COC or send an email to Jim Foster COC at gmail.com. The Pulitzer Prize-winning Elizabeth Strout has joined us today to talk not about her Pulitzer Prize-winning book, Olive Kitteridge, but rather about her latest novel called The Burgess Boys. Uh, Kirkus Reviews said something that uh, we're going to prove. They said, this is a very short thing from Kirkus, that Strout's writing is undeniably graceful and observant. Now, if to prove that, we're going to let you read from the book, and that'll take care of that problem. Yeah. You're going to read from the prologue, did yes. you say? Okay. Yes. I'm going to read just the very ending of the prologue, which sort of um, explains how the book gets written, fictionally explains 
um, the narrator talks with her mother. The narrator lives in New York and talks to her mother who lives back in Shirley Falls. And so it began, like a cat's cradle connecting my mother to me and me to Shirley Falls. Bits of gossip and news and memories about the lives of the Burgess kids supported us. We reported and repeated. I told my mother again about the time I had come across Helen Burgess, Jim's wife, when they lived as I once did in the neighborhood of Park Slope in Brooklyn. My husband and I one night found ourselves dining near Helen and a friend in a Park Slope cafe, and we stopped near Helen's table as we were leaving. I had had some wine, I suppose that's why I stopped, and I said to her I'd come from the same town Jim had grown up in. Something happened to Helen's face that stayed with me. A look of quick fear seemed to pass over it. She asked my name, and I told her, and she said Jim had never mentioned me. No, I was younger, I said. And then she arranged her cloth napkin with a little shake and said, I haven't been up there in years. Nice to meet you both. (laughs) Bye-bye. My mother thought that Helen could have been friendlier that night. She came from money, remember? She'd think she was better than someone from Maine. This sort of remark was one I had learned to let go. I no longer bothered myself with the defensiveness of my mother and her mane. But after Susan Burgess's son did what he did, after the story about him had been in the newspapers, even in the New York Times and on television too, I said on the phone to my mother, I think I'm going to write the story of the Burgess kids. It's a good one, she agreed. People will say it's not nice to write about people I know. My mother was tired that night. She yawned. Well, you don't know them, she said. Nobody ever knows anyone. Your mother's probably right, you know. <laughs> uh, but I think so. On the other hand, as a novelist, you can do that. Exactly. exactly. Which, is, which is the beauty of it all, isn't you, it? You've got it, you've got it exactly. That's, yeah. That is the fun of being a novelist, is, is finally being able to pretend that we know what it's like to be another person. Now, the fellow that was uh, written up in the New York Times and all like that is Jim. Jim Burgess. Jim Burgess is one and, of the brothers, and, yes. And uh, he is, uh, uh, I, I, I'll say it, he's an unlikable character in many, many ways. One of the ways which really annoyed me, which you did so well, I could kill him, was the way he poo-pooed everything, everything about his brother Bob. Mm-hmm. Well, this is why it's called the Burgess Boys, because even though they're actually the Burgess men mm-hmm. in the book, <laughs> they actually, their relationship has been caught, as siblings often are, in, in their boyhood. When this tragedy occurred, which killed their father when they yeah. were very young, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, they're, you know, there's a certain part of their childhood that just stayed right there. And so um, what appears to other people as abusive kind of behavior from Jim to Bob is, in fact, I think, just the way they communicate. Because they that's when, you know, he's, he's just an older brother. He's five years older. And when you're little, that's a lot. And Bob has adored him. And Jim has, um, as we come to see in the book, has been sitting on a great deal mm-hmm. and is filled with a lot of um, secrets. And so he, you know, he's a, he's speaks in this way to Bob and Bob takes it and and Bob is the first to say to his sister-in-law no it's okay he's just being my brother so I in my version as I wrote it and saw it Mm -hmm. um, it's just their way of communicating but I do understand that it's not um, everybody's cup of tea to talk to somebody that way. Well since they're both lawyers yeah let me testify (laughs) <laughs> about the situation of, of what Jim thinks about mm-hmm. about Bob. At one point, he says, 
What in the world makes you think you know squat about anything? About his brother, fellow mm-hmm. lawyer. And at another time, you know nothing, just nothing, you cretinized bozo. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's not nice. These are True. not loving remarks. No. no. Well, no, I don't know if they're not loving remarks. They don't, they're not um, polite remarks. You got that. Yeah. <laughs> you got that they're right. They're not polite remarks. They're not. All right. But as much as I didn't like some of the things he did, Jim is an absolutely brilliant lawyer. And you, you tell us about one great trial success he had with a uh, rock and roll character, I think. Mm-hmm. A singer, yeah. A singer uh, by the name of uh, Wally Packer. That's right. How did that come about? Well, that's what made Jim famous earlier on in his career. And this has been a defining also. You know, I mean, first there was the father's death when they were kids, and then there was, and then Jim was very bright and went off to Harvard Law School and, and married somebody with money and then um, became famous with this trial that captured a great deal of public attention. And so he's had some very, very high points in his life. And, and um, it would appear that he'd managed to leave his, his past behind with this kind of success. But, you know, Bob follows him everywhere he goes. And <laughs> <laughs> one, and, of the, uh, one of the things uh, that I, I think of when, when, I, when I think about Jim is... Uh, he's kind of like the the walking definition of self-assured in spades. That is what he appears to be. And that's very important. It's what he appears to be. Exactly. It's not exactly what he is, and for very good reason. That's right. And we may look at some of that when we return. You're listening to Conversations on the Coast with Jim Foster. Follow us on Twitter at JimFosterCoc. Or send an email to jimfostercoc at gmail.com. Elizabeth Stroud is our guest today. Her new book is called The Burgess Boys. In the last segment, we we learned why it's boys and not men, because so much of the way they relate as adults is kind of boyish. This woman can really, really write. I put some notes down here. You take us in this book to many places. And one of the places is uh, one of those Caribbean island resorts, I yes, think. Yes, yes, that's right. And you tell the, the, the story of an unhappy vacation beautifully. <laughs> I, I kept thinking, this poor woman must have had this kind of vacation. Where the the, the husband gets up early in the morning and... Showers, there is no romance, and heads for the golf course and comes back and then goes out and plays nine, having 27 holes of golf in the day and nothing for his honey. I mean, you, the way you write that is marvelous. I wanted to kick the guy. <laughs> well, he's, he's, he's a runner, you know. I mean, running. He's, I don't mean yeah. a runner as a marathon runner. Yeah, he's I mean, running he's, from his he's past. Running. He's running. He's always present. running. He's running yeah. from himself, really. Yeah. Of course. There's another scene where uh, his wife, whose name is Helen, Helen yeah. uh, is uh, at a uh, fancy dinner in some fancy apartment, I guess, in, in New York. With oh, that's long, Pam, with, with Bob's the, ex-wife. Oh, Pam. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, that was yeah. Pam. Yeah. 
And, and, and what happens to end the conversation? I mean, you can't say it on the air, but they're talking about this and that, and then the woman with a southern accent. Oh, I can't say it on the air. You're right. But she says, F this. Right, and, uh, right, right. Well, they're right. It's a, it's a New York dinner party, and they you know, had a little bit of wine, and this southern <laughs> woman takes umbrage at What's being said at in general. One being is, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and she just silences she the entire it, party. Let's it rip there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Y'all shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it, it's just in these different settings. Yeah. You, you really yeah. capture it. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. it's, it, it's wonderful. There's another main character in here, a young boy. Right. Zachary Olson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell us about him and how he moves the plot along. Well, Zachary is the Burgess boy's nephew. He He's the son of the sister, Susan, who remained back in Maine. And um, his father left the family seven years ago. He's an adolescent. And, and Susan and Robert are twins. Susan and, and Robert are twins. And, and yet um, Susan's been alone. She's been alone trying to raise this son who is, for whatever reasons, just not, you know, quite you know, what she expected. He's not particularly personable or athletic or, you know, he's just, I mean, kids don't always turn out the way you think. And she has done the best she could, but she doesn't know really what's up with him. And then... The way the way you write that birth narrative, yeah. if, if oh. she could, yeah. she would have given him back. Well, except she loves him. She does love him very much. Yeah. She just didn't know what to do. It's so different from, from what you yeah. expected, I yeah. guess, and, and yeah. wanted. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's history, backstory, as yeah, we call it, right. which you can't get rid of. Right. That's it, right. It's there. And she's it's and there. she's tried. And and more disturbing, I think, is the fact that she feels that um, that her husband was was so disappointed with him, and that if he had been different, maybe the marriage would have remained. So she's you know she's carrying around all of that, and then lo and behold, he goes and does this ridiculous and and bad thing, very bad thing. Of throwing um, a pig's head through the through the local mosque, and he honestly, I think, doesn't quite even get how bad that was. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and then so his so she hysterically calls her brothers. Both of them are lawyers, yeah. and they're supposed to come up and rescue her, and so you know, or rescue Zach, and and so um, they try. <laughs> <laughs> they try saying saying that this childish act becomes a cause celeb yeah. is putting it mildly. I mean, the, right. the town goes berserko. Well, yeah, it's a pretty bad thing to have happened to the town. And so I thought that it would be novelistically interesting to back away from that and try and see it more from Zach's point of view or from Susan's point of view, particularly the mother's. Like, what in the world? How did this happen? What do we do? You know, so. Not only they, but you know, the state of Maine goes nuts too. Yes, yeah, uh, sure. They're they're trying to they're trying to do the right thing, really, I think, you know, trying to to use what resources they have legally and socially and 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 to tell the state we don't we don't condone this behavior as they should not. Hmm. But then it's Zach. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and in the end, as that legal proceeding goes on and on mm-hmm. because of what's yeah. happening to him in his private life. Yeah. The lawyer who's on his feet, so to speak, is not Jim, it's Bob. Right. That right. was a pleasant surprise. Right. 
I cheered. Oh, good. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. And and uh, uh, the other the other person that I think I'll remember for a long time is Helen. Yeah. What a sad situation she's in. Well, she is at the moment. We don't know if she will, you know, if it. I I purposely left that open for for the readers to decide themselves according to their own life experiences what happens with yeah. Helen because you know this is a situation that's not uncommon in this no, country it's not. and uh, can go either way. Ooh, boy oh boy, <laughs> boy oh boy. Who's your favorite character that you've put into this book? You know, that's that's always an interesting question because as I go, oh, I, I just end up loving them all. I'm sorry. That's such a... That's called a cop-out. Co- <laughs> I was just going to say, that's a cop-out. I was just going to say that. Um, um, well, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Yeah. I actually really did love Jim. I think because I found him the most tortured. Yes. And so I, I had a real, real deep love for him or or whatever you would want to call this fictional relationship that I have with these made up people deep and crisp all at the same time yes exactly that's, exactly Slice that's, that's what it is right. well if you uh, are interested in, in really reading something that thinks deeply and expresses very well what family life is all about and what the relationships between people in a family are all about. This really is the book for you, and it's a good one. It is called The Burgess Boys, the author Elizabeth Strout. This has been Conversations on the Coast, and I'm Jim Foster. Follow us on Twitter at JimFosterCoc. Or send an email to jimfostercoc at gmail.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.